Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we've got another installment of our Reviewing the Reviewer series, where we ask various Blister reviewers questions about their backgrounds and gear preferences to give you a more complete picture of the people behind our reviews. And since we like to rank and review things around here, we also give a score to each of our reviewers' answers, then come up with a cumulative review grade for each of the reviewers themselves. In the hot seat today is mountain bike and ski reviewer Dylan Wood, and earlier this week I subjected Dylan to our regular gauntlet of reviewing the reviewer questions, and if you happen to follow us on Instagram, you'll also know that I asked Dylan which of his roommates he would save if he could only save one. Tough luck there, James and Jared. Anyway, please don't tell Dylan I said this, but we are actually pretty big fans of Dylan around here, and I think you guys will enjoy getting to know this particular member of the Flat Moon Society. Shout out, Flat Moon Society. Also, we'll have the video of our conversation up sometime in the not-too-distant future, where you'll be able to see Dylan's glorious hair And you'll get to see the Blister Summit t-shirt and Blister Summit hat that we'll be giving to everyone who comes to our Blister Summit, which is next week, which is crazy. But yeah, next week. And bonus here, if you do come to the summit, you'll actually get to meet Dylan and you can actually ski with him. But, you know, only if you want to. And I mean, skiing with Dylan, it's not like as cool as the Blister Summit t-shirt you'll get for coming, but it actually still is pretty cool. Now, today's episode of Gear 30 is presented by our blister-recommended shop, Bentgate Mountaineering. Bentgate has been Colorado's premier backcountry ski and splitboarding shop for over 25 years now. Their staff of backcountry skiers, climbers, and mountaineers know and use the gear they sell. So if you're looking for a new pair of, say, AT boots, just schedule an appointment at Bentgate's new boot lab and work one-on-one with highly trained boot fitters that specialize in backcountry-specific fits. With over 30 models of touring boots, Bentgate's boot lab can provide a fully personalized fit including custom footbeds, heat-molded liners, and shell modifications. The Boot Lab uses the industry's best COVID-19 precautions, including temperature checks, fit station sanitation, and air filtering to protect their customers and staff. And if you want to test out the newest gear, Bentgate has a large demo fleet of backcountry skis and splitboards, including skis from Black Crows, DPS, Moment, Icelandic, Dinafit, K2, and more. And they also have avalanche safety equipment, ice climbing gear, and snowshoe rentals that are also available. Blister members get exclusive deals which is why you should definitely go visit their store in downtown Golden, Colorado, or hit up their online shop at bentgate.com. And now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with the inestimable Dylan Wood. Here we go. All right, I'm here with Dylan Wood. The day has come. It is your turn 
to face the gauntlet of questions in the game known as reviewing the reviewer. I feel like you're reviewing me always. And now you just have an excuse to quantify how you feel about me as a person. Yes. So. Yes, that's fair. Um, That's pretty fair. I will say though, you've really kind of elevated in my sort of perception of you which maybe we'll get to in a minute, I, I suppose, but you've come a long way. So, you know, in a way, this is kind of a celebration from where, where we kind of started, I think we could say. Other kind of funny thing, we are currently enjoying a couple beverages from Athletic Brewing Company because I actually just happened to bring these over because I still have a very long number of hours in front of me for work. But then turns out, you're having a dry February? Yeah. The idea originally came from a friend of mine, Ben Thornycroft, who did it, I, I forget how many years back, but I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Why not do February? And it makes more sense for me because everyone's doing a dry January. So, you go to a liquor store in January, the chances that you're look, they have the beer you're looking for, I feel like are increased. So, why not offset it a month, go February? My birthday is at the beginning of March, so I get to celebrate the end of a dry February right on my birthday. It all works out. It all works out. Yeah. Dry February for Dylan. Dry February. Okay. Let's go ahead and get this started. So, uh, as you know, we will be grading your answers and probably fairly harshly, uh, but we'll just see. You know, who knows? Um, one one can always be surprised uh, in reviewing the reviewer, but why don't we go ahead and start with your background? Sure. Yeah. I was born in a small town in the front range of Colorado, kind of in the foothills. I think the best way to describe the location of Evergreen is it's about halfway between Denver and the Continental Divide, kind of along the I-70 corridor. So, it's a nice little town, really good mountain biking, really pretty, kind of like I think about 7,500 feet in elevation and yeah, it was a cool place. Born to my parents, Sharon and Sean, older sister Hannah, younger sister Haley, a lot of dogs along the way. That was that was my childhood. I actually like just learned about the fact that you have siblings, and I feel like I feel like you were hiding this from me, like intentionally. I don't think I was hiding it. I just never thought of like a moment where I would need to bring it up, you know? Like you never asked me. Do you, I have any siblings? Yeah. I was probably too busy yelling at you about something. Yeah. But yeah, I was riding the chairlift actually with your girlfriend, Emma, mm-hmm. and she brought up that your sister, one of your sisters is currently at Western. Yeah. And I was like, what? And then Emma went on and talked about how amazing she is. And so, then I think... We got to the top of the chairlift, saw you, and my first words were, I hear your sister is cooler than you. I can't deny it. My <laughs> little sister Haley is cooler than me. There's no better person wow. to be having in the Gunnison Valley sharing the last name Wood than Haley. Wow. Shout out Haley. Shout out Haley. High <laughs> praise. That's really, that's really something else. And your older sister? Hannah. Hannah. Yep. Hannah Jensen now. She got married in September. And she lives in the Denver area. Okay. And the name Dylan, is this after my favorite artist? 
no. Bob Dylan? Or where where'd we get the Dylan from? Or Dylan, other Dylans, Dylan Thomas? I don't know exactly where it came from. You never asked your parents where no, I, my I'm, name came from? I was almost named Jack. I know that. I think they just decided on the name Dylan because it was, I don't know, a cool name. And our family, it's, it's a Welsh name. Huh. Our family has some Welsh, um, I don't know. Genetics, heritage, heritage whatever genetics. you want to call it, genetics, I guess. I mean, same thing. Um, I've, one of the things I've always thought of you is you seems like you have excellent Welsh genetics. I guess so. I've never thought that yeah. about you, but anyway. Yeah. Dylan means son of the sea. Welsh. Son. Yeah. Son of the sea. What were you into as a kid in Evergreen? Well, my house had a pretty big yard. So, when I think back in my childhood, a lot of it was just running around in my backyard and it was basically just a forest where I could climb trees. Um, we had this like steep gully in our backyard with a bunch of rocks, just be like climbing on rocks and stuff and like playing in the dirt and whatnot as a kid. But I had a pretty t- traditional life in elementary school. Got picked s- on a lot, probably beat up now I, and again. No, every I don't week. think so. It was a, it was a pretty small school. Everyone was nice. Every, <laughs> all the parents knew each other. So like, if if one kid was like being a little shit, some somebody's Someone's parent gonna was going to find out. Okay. So yeah, I know it was it was a good good time. Played you know played sports like I said, got into skiing at a pretty young age. Yeah, pretty normal stuff I feel like for someone born in Colorado. Okay, well tell me about the sports. Sure. Yeah, I started playing sports in fourth grade. I remember I that playing sports. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I. I know that for for a fact. I started playing basketball and football in the same year. I played football for the Mountain Predators of the Evergreen area. And it was a great time. Played basketball for club team, I think. I don't think my elementary school had a basketball team. So, yeah. But I do remember fifth grade, our, both of the teams I was on won the championship that year. Fifth grade football champions, fifth grade basketball champions. For like the city or the state or how like whatever impressed should i be right now whatever league we were in like our football team was in like the jeffco area it was like a county sort of thing going on and we were in d3 which unfortunately is like the lowest league and whatever club basketball team we were on i forget but yeah i think i peaked when we won both championships that year that may have been the I don't know. We're going to get to something that I think I might put as a higher peak for you. We'll, okay. we'll get there. But um, but fifth grade, strong fifth grade for you. Strong you're, fifth grade. You're yeah. thinking, this is, I'm kind of on top of the world at the moment. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I got a drum set that same year too, I remember. It was a great year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Um, what's one other thing I should know about your childhood? Before we move on to say college, we got high school still. Okay, That's let's pretty... go to, before we move on to high school. What's one thing we should know? Uh, I started playing lacrosse in middle school. I, I was did not know this. Captain of the lacrosse team. Oh. I played defense right in the center, and I was really good at just laying kids out because I played football. And what position were you in football? I played defensive end and I was lineman for a little while, offensive lineman, (laughs) right? I know that look you gave me is like, you were not, but I was. And then once everyone kind of started growing and I didn't, Uh I was pretty fast. So, I played wide receiver. We were both wide receivers. Oh, yeah. 
I don't think I knew this. See, I'm learning so much. If I, the lesson I'm learning is I should yell at you less and ask you more questions. And then I would know things like that we were both wide receivers. But this is actually one of the things that I like liked most about you after mm-hmm. we met. It's because, you know, you in these mountain towns, you meet everybody. And of course, they're into skiing or mountain biking. But when I found out, like, you actually kind of follow some NBA stuff, you kind of pay attention to the NFL, I was like, here we go. So, yeah, I think sports are great. If I'm not doing anything and there's a basketball, football game on, I'll definitely watch it. I'm not too picky about, like, the teams I follow, I guess. I'm definitely a bandwagoner. Okay. But, yeah, I'm into it. Let's talk about high school a little bit. There's, I sound, I'm guessing there are some gems here that I don't know about. Yeah, I mean, I guess high school was kind of a, 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 a time where my life changed a little bit in the sense that I transferred schools. So, the county I was in didn't really have a great school system. So, I transferred to a private school down the hill closer to Denver that was just better academically and in more of like a environmental point where like my parents would feel better if I kind of went to this high school if that makes sense. So yeah, it was, I, I knew like, I don't know, three or four people at my new high school had to kind of start over, make new friends again. And it went good. I got, I made some friends quickly and yeah. Met a lot you of weren't people. like all through high school. You weren't just like, Oh man, life really peaked for me in fifth grade. <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't looking back at fifth grade that much, but I was, trying some new sports at the time i was on the golf team freshman year you golfed yes i golfed i was on the golf team i like the best round of golf i played to this day was my tryouts for the golf team (laughs) i i just played so well i don't know what happened i got like my first par ever on like hole one i was like what do i even do like you get a par like i gotta keep playing good and um yeah and then i I was terrible the rest of the golf season. Like they had this rule. I was on the JV team. They had this rule that once you reached double par on strokes, like that was it. Pick up your ball, get out of par four. You're writing an eight. You move on. And I think I got double par on probably 50% of the holes. It was bad. Wow. I was probably one of the worst golfers in the, in like D3 JV. (laughs) <laughs> d3jv yeah. you need to find a shirt that's like d3jv golfer if you find that let me know yeah, i, I think 3a that. actually is the right term 3a okay. i think is colorado high school do you ever play now i play campus golf sometimes at western what does campus golf mean you use a tennis ball and you just use one club and the hole would be like that trash can over Got there it. and you start or like that lamppost and you know just grab a beer and whack a tennis ball around campus. Okay. Uh, highlight of your high school career. What was it? Probably, Probably that. I'm guessing. Uh, no. I'm guessing your golf tryout. No. I mean, no, I don't think so. Probably the skiing. I did a lot of fun skiing in high school. That's when I really got into it on my own. Like when I got my license, you know, it was then my choice to drive myself, go skiing, buy my own Epic Pass handle things myself. So yeah, went out with a 
good group of friends, like the same friends I was always hanging out with high, in, high, in high school. We were like the skiers. That's how everyone knew us. Like, oh, yeah, the skier guys. So, yeah, we go up to A Basin, Brett, Keystone, and drop cliffs, build jumps. And, like, when I look back on high school, like, the best days of my high school were, like, super fun pow days with my friends where we, like, spent the night together before that day, drove up together had a fun day on the mountain and yeah i think that tops being a very bad golfer was being okay. a, a good fair. skier i think i know this answer but then just to be clear you then didn't do like the race program thing as a kid no when i was a kid i basically just did ski school uh started out in copper and then my family more specifically my dad started volunteer patrolling at winter park and I did this program called the Park Sharks, where he just dropped me off every Saturday as he goes in patrols. And I would ski with a group, had this coach, you know, coach us, eventually get into the all-terrain program at Winter Park. And then I was on the big mountain team, but I never had any sort of race background at all. And I don't think I really learned how to make like a proper turn, like bending a ski until like two years ago for that reason two years ago yeah wow i was like i was just a smear you know i never like bent a ski on a on a groomer until yeah like two years ago all right then Mm -hmm. by the way i haven't given you any grades yet of anything and this is kind of a rambling so i think we're going dylan's background i like the idea that you your life probably more or less peaked in fifth grade (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to give you an eight on the background. Okay. We also established that your younger sister is definitely cooler than you. So that's a, that's fun too. Uh, we went through the sports thing. So eight on background. I'm going to, I'm going to say seven on the sports thing. I particularly like the golf story. Okay. We've talked about the skiing side of things, but we should also talk a bit about the bike side of things since you do some bike reviewing for us and some ski reviewing. So what is your background with bikes and did you get into mountain biking at an early age as well? I got into mountain biking when I was around 12. My dad was a big mountain biker. He did a lot of races and so he definitely got me into it, took me out on the trails for the first time and I started cross-country racing and did that in eighth grade and I raced cross-country throughout high school too. And around eighth grade is also when I started building trails in my parents' backyard. So we had this, you know, nice big yard that had some awesome terrain. So we built some trails in there, me and my good friend Quinn, and built some jumps and drops. So I was racing cross country, but I was really into like jumps and more of like a free ride side of mountain biking outside of racing as well. So yeah started mountain biking and racing at 12 yep yeah Mm -hmm. and i got second overall for my first season of mountain bike racing for my age group at 12 yes wow that's up there with the fifth grade wait is that also fifth grade no well how old are you in fifth grade i don't i forget these things 10 i think okay this is a little bit so this is like so fifth grade, grade you're like i probably just peaked like my life probably just peaked. You're kind of nervous. Yeah. But then, then you hit 12 years old and then you, you took second. 
or you won it? Second overall in this Second. in this series at Winter Park that I was doing my first races. So things you're back like, hey, maybe maybe I maybe I should keep this life thing going here. Yeah. If I think back on it, I think I was in the best shape of my life around eighth grade and freshman year of high school. Because of XC racing. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I can't even make fun of you for that. That's probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then when did you kind of transition out of like the cross country racing thing to just start enjoying like trail riding, enduro riding, and I guess enduro racing? Yeah. So freshman year of college, I joined the mountain sports team and my at, roommate- At Ian, Western, we should clarify. Yeah. Western mountain sports team. And my roommate Ian- was also doing the bike team. And this is also the same time that I bought my first full suspension bike. So I had XC Race Hardtail, full suspension, Santa Cruz Bronson. Love that bike, still miss it. And I was signing up for the mountain sports team. And Ian was like, Yeah, I'm doing XC and downhill. Like, you're doing both, right? I was like, No, I'm just doing XC. But he's like, No, you should do downhill like race downhill too. So yeah, I just signed up for downhill. I did. I thought it was going to be more serious than it was, but being on a six inch 27.5 trail bike was totally appropriate for like college for fun downhill racing. Had you ridden much DH or like much like park access, lift access riding? Yeah, I should mention that my last two years of high school, I worked at a bike shop, Wheat Ridge Cyclery, and they had this massive fleet of demo bikes, Mm -hmm. like the best mountain bikes from Trek, Santa Cruz, Specialized, and Yeti. And so, as an employee, I could take them out whenever I want. And I kind of equate it to like taking out any blister ski to be like, sick, I get to ride this new ski and I'm like, not 100% responsible for all the damages. So... (laughs) I, yeah, I would definitely take these bikes to the bike park and we got discounted lift tickets for being shop employees. So I I started riding park, I would say the summer after my senior year of high school, when I started regularly going riding bike park, maybe twice a month and definitely really started to enjoy the more gravity side of mountain biking and figuring out how to go fast, do big jumps and whatnot. Okay. I'm going to still wrap all that into the, like, what sports did you play growing up slash background? So we're sticking with a seven. Okay. That's that's good. That's pretty good. That's good. How did you first get connected with blister and related question? Do you remember like how we met or when we met? I, yeah. So blister moved to Crested Butte, the beginning of my sophomore year of college. I was in Gunnison at Western Colorado University. And my two roommates, Ian and Jared, were already very familiar with Blister. I had no idea what Blister was. (laughs) They're like, Dylan, look up any ski review, like blank review, and I promise you Blister will be the first thing that comes up. Mm. So sure enough, I googled Atomic Bench Hitler 120 review. There it was, Blister. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is cool. And we started showing up to the speaker series that blister was putting on campus i remember the first one brendan leonard uh-huh we talked to you after the event that's when we first met okay and yeah when i first heard about blister being in the valley it sort of planted the idea in my mind of like it would be cool to work for blister so you know we kept showing up 
Uh, I think we would see each other on the mountain sometimes. Yeah. Always going to speaker series. You know, we were familiar, the Flat Moon Society, to be clear. We probably need to. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Why not? The Flat Moon Society is basically me and my group of friends slash roommates uh, consists of Ian, Jared, Garrett, James, and myself. We are the Flat Moon Society. Uh, best ski group on Instagram, flatmoon.society. Look it up. <laughs> Great. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, continuing yeah. on the story, it was actually you who reached out to me. Oh. It was. I remember wow. the, it was I remember the day still. It was it was in May of 2019. You had reached out to me to do an internship mm. and it was great because I needed an internship to graduate. So I was, probably just assumed I was like this kid odds of him graduating. <laughs> so I was like, you know, just do a charitable thing here. Totally. And it seems like my my intuitions were correct. You needed an internship and and I felt sorry for you. I'm just assuming. I don't totally remember, but. Yeah, I needed an internship and I was considering doing like extra work for the raft guide job I had that summer, but a separate internship with Blister was more appealing. So, took that, did the internship for four months that summer, I think. And I think you gave me an A or an A minus. I forget. I've, I think seems, it was an A minus. That seems high. I think it was an A minus and internship turned into a job. Bike brand guides, I think was the first yeah. thing that was like my area. Yeah. And here we are today. And yeah, we're growing. The thing that I remember most when we were talking about, you know, would this be a good fit? Is this something you're interested in? I remember asking you like, okay, so I know you love skiing, you love mountain biking, which are you kind of better at? And I was saying like, we've come across very few people that we feel like review skis just as well as they review bikes or, you know, bikes just as well as they review skis. And your answer to this was probably my favorite answer that I've ever heard in the history of Blister. Do you remember? Do you remember what you told me? Yeah, because okay. I finished the same place in both sports competition wise, nationals, collegiate nationals, downhill, mountain biking in what was that? 2018, I think that fall, I finished 25th. Yep. And the following free ride ski season in the FWQs, I finished 25th <laughs> overall. So, I'm like, here you go. I'm like mediocre at both. <laughs> I'm, I'm equally, literally equally as good. Yeah. I was uh, like middle of the pack in both. Oh, that's not fair. I wouldn't, I would not call you a middle of the pack skier or mountain biker. Well, like in these competitions, in the competition. I was like FWQ okay. four stars. Yeah. I'd say I'm middle of the pack collegiate downhill. Yeah. Middle of the pack. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, Dude, like, which are you better at? And you're like, well, yeah, <laughs> I actually I, got 25th in both. Totally. Like, Perfect. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to actually give you an eight for that because that was my favorite. The 25th in both was, that was one of my favorite answers. Okay. Um, I did also want to talk about another interesting moment in our kind of relationship mm -hmm. is when I think I got 
did I get a text message or a phone call that we had just gotten in a brand new mega tower? Mm -hmm. And then I don't remember if I got a text from maybe from Ian or something that was like, um, Dylan's like wrecked himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my second day on the mega tower. Second day. First practice race run for the Captain Jack's collegiate downhill. Not even on the racetrack. On the on Avery afterwards. The bottom, after all the NAR. I had probably ridden that section of trail 90 times that summer. Not, not lying. Took this inside line that I always take. Just happened to clip my bars, pinballing myself into an Aspen, and breaking the iliac crest of my pelvis and some ribs and puncturing my lung. Yeah, that was not great. I rolled over to the medical center and like, you're not in great shape. And uh, I will confess, I was slightly worried about the brand new bike, but you know, I've, you know. I was worried about the bike too. I remember being on the ground, coach Eddie, mountain bike coach yeah. was like attending to me. And I was like, Eddie, like, please just look at the mega tower, man. Like, tell me what's going on. Please. Is it okay? He's like, Dylan, like the bike's fine, man. Like, how are you doing? Not so like, great. Bikes don't heal. People heal. Bikes yeah. do not heal. It's true. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a wild day. And, but by the way, I mean, so like, how are you feeling these days? Are you feeling like 100% recovered from that? Or do you still have like any nagging? I remember by the way, in, in our, reviewing the reviewer session we did with Eric Friesen. He like broke his neck, I think three times. <laughs> so maybe this is just a recurring segment. We ask about the kind of injury, the injury history. Broken bones. Yeah. No, I'm actually a hundred percent for yeah. sure. Saying you have a broken pelvis. Like when I told people that they were, they were thinking it was going to be like a wheelchair kind of situation, but it actually was not. It was a break of the iliac crest, which, you know, Google that, figure out what's, what's going on. Like I walked out of the hospital the next day. So I was good. It took me, I went to India, um, two weeks later, went on a backpacking trip the first week I was in India and like I was, I was basically fine. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Pretty quickly. It was like six weeks until I was on a bike again. And I was feeling, I broke my pelvis end of September. I was like a hundred percent back on skis first week of January. So it was good. Was that like kind of your most significant injury? Yeah. That was the first time I had broken a bone ever. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Let's talk a little bit about your bike and ski preferences um, to give a a better sense of what you're kind of into. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's start with bikes. Yeah. Um, I can't lie. I'm kind of a Santa Cruz fanboy. I know. It's terrible. You're not allowed to say things like that here. Right. I did just say on a podcast though, like two days ago, how much I currently am loving my high tower. So yeah. I'm being slightly hypocritical right now. Yeah. There's just something about VPP, I think, that matches my style. It just, you know, I've ridden Trek specialized yeti santa cruz i've ridden all these different brands and there was a reason that you know santa cruz bronson was the first bike i bought it just felt better like i don't think i can explain to you exactly why like go super bike nerd and be like oh yeah the leverage ratio on the vpp just really matches no it just felt better so i was like this is what i'm going with and 
in terms of like genres of bikes, I would say things in that 150 millimeters, 29 ish range is what I'm liking the most these days. I tend to be someone who doesn't really care how a bike climbs just because I just want to get to the top and have a lot of fun downhill. So yeah, enduro bikes. Yeah. I'm a 29 inch guy. Those are my preferences. I don't think we've asked you to review yet any bikes that are like supposed to be really particularly good at climbing. Mm -hmm. So how, if you're saying like, I don't really care about that element and I'm fine with that, but I care a little bit more about this question. Do you think you would actually be good at reviewing the ascending capabilities of some of these bikes? You know, two, those are two yeah, different things. Totally. When I started mountain biking, it was cross-country racing. So the ascending capabilities of the bikes I was riding was definitely high priority, which is the reason that the first full suspension bike I ever got was a Trek Top Fuel. And I really liked the lockout on that bike. It was really light, climbed really well, but I also enjoyed having, you know, full suspension on the way down. So while today, I wouldn't say I really push myself climbing to the point where I'm like, yeah, I really need a bike that's light, low rotational weight in the tires and wheels, really good lockout, supple suspension for the climb and whatnot. Like I'm not really pushing myself personally in those aspects, but if you're like, okay, Dylan, I need you to get on some down country bikes and compare the climbing abilities, like totally, you know, like I can definitely put some watts down if I need. Wow. Yeah. I can put some watts down. I'm giving you a minus two because you sounded kind of. Minus two? Yeah. Oh well, I'm deducting two points. All right. From that answer that wasn't really a question, but we'll slot it in there somehow. Okay. That's fair, I think. But yeah, you like bikes with a bit more suspension, but like. I think I liked the Trek Slash more than you did. True or false? I think so. I yeah, I like the Slash. I kind of just it kind of just felt too dead to me. I guess too planted. Too planted. Yeah. yeah, which is a good thing when you want it to be a good thing, right? Like it had amazing traction. Yeah. But the downside of that was that it just wanted to stick to the yeah. ground. Yeah. Whereas getting on a, like riding your high tower, I felt like it was easier to get in the air and sort of ride with a more playful style, yeah. which I would consider myself, that's what I'm doing when I'm not in between the tape, right? Yeah. Like every, I'm not going for like Strava KOMs. I'm just trying to find like fun root gaps, you know, pop off of whatever features I can find. Yeah. And I don't really care too much for a bike that is super planted, yep. a ton of traction when I'm not racing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which then to transition over to some of your ski preferences, I'd actually say that's kind of true of your ski preferences too. You mm -hmm. like to your credit, like you aren't that one dimensional of a skier. You, you are, I think a playful skier, but somebody who also like is looking to straight line out through messed up runouts and the rest. And, but so like merely going like Eric Friesen or a Drew Kelly would like 
a more planted ski. Yeah. Won't speak, not speaking to what they might like in terms of bikes, but mm-hmm. they would be more interested in some of the directional chargers than maybe you would naturally. Right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say it's fair. And in terms of ski preferences, I'm not that picky. I think I can match my skiing style to whatever the ski is. Like if you put me on a Cochise, yep. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to ski we've done. it. Yeah. And I'm not going to ski it like I would ski like a forefront devastator. Right. You know, I can definitely match my skiing to whatever the ski feels best doing. Um, when it comes to my personal skis, I'm a big fan of skis that have a good mix of stability and maneuverability. I don't think I would ever buy for myself like a directional charger yeah. just because I feel like I like to ski tighter terrain and I like a ski that releases easy. When I was skiing the ON3P Renegade 108, I was really enjoying the stability I got out of it, but I felt like I was less confident because I didn't feel like I could shut it down as easy as I wanted to. Whereas the next season I got on the ON3P Woodsman 108 and on that ski, I felt like I just had to be a little bit more on top of things when it came to skiing it hard and skiing it like a directional charger. Yeah. But when it came time to shut it down and avoid running into a tree, I felt like it gave me more confidence to be able to shed that speed and ski like the tight CB kind of terrain that I like to get into. For sure. And it's honestly one of the things that I think, why am I being so nice to you in this? I feel like I'm being <laughs> way great. too nice to you. I'm having a great time. This is, <laughs> this is really not very reflective of most of our conversations. I don't really know what's happening. You don't have to say that. Jonathan loves me. He's just, he doesn't want to admit it. As <laughs> soon as the tape, as soon as we turn the tape off, it's back to, it's back to all the yelling and the screaming. I'll just, I'll cherish this moment then. Yeah, you should cherish. This is a good moment for you right now. This is like, this is like fifth grade level goodness, (laughs) I think. But it is one of the things that I think is interesting about you reviewing for us is that I think that you can slot into a pretty wide range of skis and we don't need every one of our reviewers to be able to do that, but it's a useful thing, right? And, you know, as we, we kind of have certain people where we're most interested in having them review particular kind of genres or categories of skis. I think you are one of our more versatile reviewers um, in terms of like, like literally, I mean, you were just literally skiing a Cochise like pretty recently. Yeah. And we'll be weighing in. I've got to write our review of that, I think tomorrow night. And then uh, you and Drew Kelly will be weighing in pretty shortly after that but yeah yeah i feel like a good way to put it would be like i can have a blank google doc in front of me and write up a review of like a sago bighorn 106 i feel like that is kind of where i'm most yeah the kind of style that matches me most but if i were to weigh in on a cochise or like a dictator i feel like i i'm in tune with what's going on but it would be me kind of weighing in second yep. or third to kind of be like, okay, this is what Jonathan and Luke are saying. This is where I agree. This is where I disagree. I think it would be harder for me to have that blank slate and, you know, go from that reviewing like a directional charger. Yeah. 
And I do think, in which you and I have talked about, part of that I think is going to be reps, mm-hmm. just getting on more skis in these variety of categories. And I think that's one thing where Luke and I have been doing this so much. And, you know, like Sam Shaheen, you know, we've had some other folks, we've skied such a range of things that we're part of it is just getting time and on, on more stuff in a category. And then just a lot of the back and forth yeah. that you and I end up having or that Luke and you end up having or whatever, and kind of triangulate in on some of this stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's valuable. We're always talking on the chairlift, comparing yep. skis and whatnot. I think Luke gets annoyed with it sometimes because I ask him so many questions. Luke, <laughs> he's the worst. Um, he's not the worst. He's not the worst. We love um, all right. I'm giving you... A seven and a half. I don't like how this is going at <laughs> this all. This is going great for me. Who is your favorite reviewer at Blister? The look you're giving me right now <laughs> I just, is nope, like, nope. if I say anything nope. to Jonathan. Nope. It's I'm, not true. I'm, I don't know. This is a hard question because I think if, if the question was, which Blister reviewer would you want to grow up to be? Ah. I think my answer would be Eric Friesen. Ah, wow. But as far as favorite blister reviewer goes i would have to say luke just because luke and i share i think the most similar preference in terms of terrain and riding style where i think i have the most fun skiing with luke and i've been spending the most time with luke yeah he's skiing every day i'm skiing almost every day so we've been you know spending a lot of time together just two two bros out there skiing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah my answer is luke and he's nicer than you He's nicer than me. Yeah. Except on the chairlifts when he gets mad at us. He's for, not getting, he's not mad. I just think he's, just he's pouty. Luke is pouty. That's what Luke is for the record. Luke <laughs> is pouty. Luke no won't, comment. Luke won't listen to no this. No comment. He's too, he's, he'll claim he's too busy to listen to this. See, he doesn't even care enough about you to listen to the conversation about your life. One makes him a jerk. Two, kind of pouty. Again, plead the fifth. No comment. Who is your favorite pro mountain biker and who is your favorite pro skier? My answers are cliche, which I'm not proud of, but my favorite mountain biker is Brandon Semenuk. Just because if you've watched Brandon Semenuk, like how could it not be Brandon Semenuk, right? He's so good at so many different styles of mountain biking. I feel like he could, he's like one of the best at almost everything, trail riding, free ride, slope style, even BMX, he's just always impressive. Every video, part, whatever he comes out with is just always worth watching. And my early biking days was when Life Behind Bars, that internet series, was really popular. So I was always watching Life Behind Bars. And it inspired. that's probably what inspired me to build trails in my yard, was just seeing all the cool trails that he had in his yard. And while mine were nothing like his, yeah. if we're being clear, yeah. It was just, it was probably the biggest motivator for me to go out and ride was after I saw a Brandon Semenuk video or watched a Life Behind Bars episode. It's just like, he, he makes you want to go ride your bike, you know? Favorite skier? Another cliche answer, and to no offense to these people, by the way, I for think... being cliches. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think my favorite skier has to be Cody Townsend. Wow. Yeah. Just because... One of the only ski movies I think I've watched more than four times is Days of My Youth. And I had it 
uh, I think I bought it at my mom's Amazon account. So I would always watch it. always like pull it up at a friend's house. Mom, what's the Amazon password? You know, sign in, whatnot, watch that video. Super fun watching him ski. I think he's really been someone to look up to for a lot of free riders this day. And I think he has been a big influence on the way people ski. And I think my answer might have been different if he hadn't come out and done that speaker series, Mm. because I feel like I knew, you know, Cody Townsend, the skier before then, but I think he provided more of a, you know, in-depth look at his life as like, you know, a person and an entrepreneur. And especially that, you know, talk after the speaker series with like the free eye team. That was fun. Like every time he said something, it was, you know, it either made you laugh or made you think. And everything that came out of his mouth was just funny. He was humble and yeah, great to ride with him that next day too. I feel like he just had a bunch of good things to say, interesting things to hear. And yeah, it was cool to, to like meet him after him being just like somebody on the screen of a ski movie that I watched probably 20 times. Okay. Like you said, kind of cliched answer. So I'm going to give you a five. Five. Yeah. I don't like how the grading has been going on this. So that might be reflected (laughs) going forward. Okay. Um, (laughs) What is the stupidest thing you've ever done? My God, what a, (laughs) this could take us just weeks. I think the answer to this is pretty easy for me. So me and my friends were skiing one day and we met in Idaho Springs, which is a little bit out of the way from what we were, where we lived. Um, But there was something that we were all kind of met there to do in the morning. I'll get to that later. So we took off from Idaho Springs, went up to a basin, had a really awesome ski day. And as we're coming back down to Idaho Springs, the exit that we had to get off to get to this park and ride that my friend's car was at was also the same exit that the middle school that we went to was at. And we actually didn't go to this middle school. It was the old middle school. We just had basketball practice in it, but it had been abandoned for a while. So we're like, let's go check out the old middle school, like see what's going on in there. And so we pull up to the middle school and this like fire exit door was like slightly cracked. So we're like, sweet, let's go in there. Like see what's going on. So we go in this building and I don't know. We probably walk a hundred feet in, in there for like a minute, kind of just looking around and this alarm goes off and we're like, Oh shoot, we should probably get out of here. So we leave, get back into my car, like drive, I don't know, two minutes away back to the park and ride where my friend's car is at. And we're like, you know what? Like, I think the alarm went off because we like left that fire door open. That was cracked. Like we should go back. And so we went back to this building and then we hear sirens and we're like, oh shoot, like the cops are coming. Like we need to get out of here. And so we leave and then we're like, what a coincidence, like sirens at this building. Like we're just freaking out. Like let's go back. So we go back to this building for a third time now. My God. And we find another door that is, is open. And so we go in this door, it leads us to this like, I don't know, daycare slash like kindergarten age kid area. My friend puts this like 
firefighter little sticker on his shirt you know some like a little fire helmet sticker that like a five-year-old would love and we go deeper in his building there's this like spiral staircase that goes all the way up to not staircase spiral hallway that goes all the way up to the fourth floor of this building and we're at the top like it's a pretty cool building it's like you know nice place to explore it's like kind of creepy like high schooler's dream you know exploring this creepy building wait are sirens still going off no sirens you have got stopped. the sirens sirens off. have okay. stopped at this point so and my friend is looking up on the wall and he's like that kind of looks like a motion sensing camera and then an even louder like super violent alarm goes off and we're like okay this time like we need to get out of here so we're just sprinting down this huge spiral hallway that takes way too long to get out of this building and we go out the same door we go in and we see like three police officers outside kind of looking around for who you know set this alarm off and they've got like their hands like on their gun like ready for i don't know and so we just have a moment we're like okay guys let's just tell the truth you know we'll figure this out so we walk out and the cops are like okay what are you guys doing like you know, we used to go to school in this area. We're just checking it out, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, we're going to have a look inside. Like you better not have like stolen or vandalized anything. And that moment, my friend like nonchalantly peels the sticker off of his shirt and cops are taking around inside, taking a look around inside. And we didn't do anything. Like we just looked around. We didn't like, I don't know, vandalize or steal anything. So they find nothing building owner comes and he's like glad he's glad that we found this door that was unlocked because apparently homeless people like to inhibit this building and sometimes they're violent sometimes they have weapons on them or whatnot so the building owner was stoked the police chief or whatever was not he was like you guys are trespassing you're gonna get a felony and he basically made us give contact information for our parents he's like calling our parents sit in his car like he has this huge vape mod i still remember he had this massive vape mod that he's just like sucking and like <laughs> filling his like cop car up with up, up with vape and he's like coming back to our car like talking to us blah, blah blah and eventually we the guy's just like all right i'm gonna leave this up to your parents like the building owner is stoked that you found this unlocked door like you're you're getting off lucky today is basically what he said so that's it that was the story yeah it was stupid that we went back a third like time. three times yeah that story was like kind of good and then it kind of got boring and then sort of dragged and then it was kind of intriguing and then i felt like this was like gonna be like a movie that comes out on netflix <laughs> soon where they didn't spend that much money on the budget really it went it kind of was a wild ride you just took us on I mean, if you wanted a stupider story, I think, I think it's telling that that's the stupidest thing I've ever done. If you were that looking for a be. better story, then I must be more stupid than you think I am. Or less stupid than you think I am, <laughs> is what I meant to I say. I mean, there have been moments. Speaking of the vape, what, what did you call it? The vape? Vape mod. Vape mod. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was, uh, I feel like this has to come up in any honest conversation of reviewing the reviewer with you. Mm-hmm. A big problem I had with you initially is that I was convinced you were just wild stoned all the time because according to even your girlfriend, 
you have like, you kind of can talk in a pretty monotone way. And it's kind of like this chill monotone. And I was like, dude, what is going on? And I remember like yelling at you, like, please start drinking <laughs> coffee, which apparently you don't drink coffee. No. And so I thought you were just stoned out of your mind all the time. And you're like, I don't smoke. If you would ask anybody, I don't think anyone except you thinks that I'm the I'm only a big person stoner. this has ever. Yes. I don't think this anymore, but I did think this for like the first year of knowing you, at least the first year. Yeah, like I get the whole, mono, whole monotone thing, but I hate weed. <laughs> I hate it. See, I don't even, I don't hate it per se, but I can't have our people like stoned out of their mind all the time. Yeah, like I'm, I, I don't judge someone who smokes weed. Yeah. Let me make okay, that we're clear. on the same, yeah. But personally, when Not I smoke, thing. like I've smoked weed before. I hate it. It's awful. It's like the worst thing I've ever put in my body in terms okay. of like how I react to it. All right. So not so much into weed, but I super thought you were a stoner and I was like, you're just, I think you're too high to work for us. I was too relaxed to work for you. Might be. Yeah. You might just be too relaxed, but, and then the no coffee thing, I just won't ever, you sleep a lot more than I do. We've established yeah. this. I, I just, I don't see the need to drink coffee. It's just another another thing to spend money on another thing that you have to integrate into your routine every morning like co so coffee drinkers are like if i don't get my coffee like don't talk to me that's true. like why would you want why would you want that why can't you just be fine without it i mean but it's a little bit like if i don't get to walk outside today and look at the lovely sunlight and beauty of the world don't talk to me yeah that is free for the most part i can walk outside take a deep breath of the nice Colorado mountain air every morning for 30 seconds free of charge. Yeah. This is the part where you don't, you and I don't really, we don't connect at all on this one, but it's okay. That means there's more coffee in the world for me. There you go. I don't know. The stupidest thing you've ever done. It's like a six. It really wasn't. I mean, it was pretty, the three times, the three times was real dumb, but I feel like the story went on a lot longer you could have been like this one time the siren went on and we came back three times and then got busted by the cops. Okay. What are you better at than Sam Shaheen? To be honest, I don't know Sam that well. It's okay. I think I've met him like twice, but I can say with confidence, I'm better than Sam Shaheen at shipping buyer's guides, <laughs> at remembering my passwords to things. Just learned that recently. <laughs> yep. And that's kind of all. That's all I can really compare okay. myself to Sham Shaheen. Well, what, what makes it, you are definitely better with passwords because that was a thing this past week that yeah. I was super mad about. Are you sure you are better at shipping guides than him? I mean, you said it yourself. I Since did. that has been my realm, you've had less buyer's guides come back to us, like less people emailing about, you know, missing buyer's guides and whatnot. Like you said that yourself on, on the chairlift one day. I remember it. Wow. Okay. Well, given that this, we're kind of throwing shade at Sam, I'm going to give you a nine for that answer. Wow. Uh, you should do that more often, I guess. What gear are you most picky about and least picky about? This I'm actually curious. I, I don't know where you're going with this answer, but I feel like we could be getting into something interesting here. Most picky about is goggles. I can't ski if I can't see. Amen. Yeah. Yes. If 
if it's like a, I will always match whatever is going on outside light wise with an appropriate lens. And if I don't, I'm having a bad day. Amen. And I'm, I'm more tolerant on the side of like, oops, it's super sunny out. And I brought like a mid light lens. I'm okay with that. But if it's like, it's a flat light day and I don't have clear or low light lenses, I'm not having a good time. I will go back inside and change lenses. Yeah. And if a lens is like distorted, if things look weird, if it's like messing with me, I will not see that goggle. Hate it. This is, I did not expect this coming from you. Oh, yeah. um, I, I have, thought, I have I thought, a spare lens in my pocket every day. Mm-hmm. I did notice the other day we were skiing and you had like a much lighter lens on and it was a pretty sunny day. So like, cause yeah. I, I, I hate that too. I like if it's a low vis day and I'm in a more of a bright light lens, I don't carry an extra lens on me cause one more thing, but, um, it's not, I do not dig that. Yeah. Like I don't mind going up the chairlift, it being sunny and like having a low light lens on, like, you know, just kind of squint and look yeah. down. But then when you're going downhill, right, and you're getting in the trees and stuff where it's like shaded, then you're happy you have a low light lens, right? Yeah. Like skiing, actually skiing, I'm never like, wow, it's way too bright right now. Yeah. It's like on the chairlift that I notice. I thought for sure you it was going to be a bike thing that you were most picky about. No? I mean, in I, would, I wouldn't say, I think I'm more picky about goggles than most people. But in the bike world, I'd say... I'm more picky about tire pressure, but it's not, not as much as goggles. <laughs> like I do have a digital tire gauge. I will check my tire pressure all the time, but I think goggles really stands out. On a bike, are you most picky about tire pressure or suspension settings or equal? Tire pressure and chain lube. I have to have the right chain lube for the day. I have a, a dry lube and a wet lube got to make sure I use the right one. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that uses one lube cause I want a really quiet chain regardless of the conditions. A noisy drive chain will drive me crazy. <laughs> See, this is the part that flies in the face because for so long I was convinced you were stoned out of your mind. You actually get real particular about certain things yeah. and I'm still learning about what those things are, but they are coming up more yeah. and more. And I feel as- like, I feel like you can tell a lot about what's going on with your bike just by listening. So I never bike with music and that's why I use this specific chain loop because I want all the noises to be gone that don't need to be there. Once you start hearing noises, it's probably because something's a little off and that annoys me further. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want my bike to be as quiet as possible. Quiet bike. Mm-hmm. He likes a quiet bike. You know what? That's Way better answer than I was expecting. I, I did say I was I th- I thought I would be surprised, but I feel like you really delivered there. Um, okay, that's that's an eight. Top three favorite books, movies, and or musicians. Top three of all of these? No, like give me you get to select. So it could be two books and one film. Do you read? I'm not sure we've ever discussed any. I read. I would say I'll do one of each. Okay. Book is Monkey Wrench Gang by Edward Abbey. That's a great. Are book. you just saying that like that? That's arguably a cliched answer. So are you just earning brownie points here, or is this brownie like point. that book actually really moved me? That book is great. That book makes you want to 
like love the earth as much as possible and like drive a bulldozer into Lake Powell and stuff. It just invokes so many emotions and it's like a great gateway to environmentalism. And it's a funny book. It's like, it's one of those books that you just can't put down. You know, you always want to go back to reading it. So I love that book. Um, movies, Forrest Gump. I love that movie. Whenever that movie is on TV, I will watch it start to finish. It's just such a great movie. Like, you know, it makes it makes you tear up a little bit thinking about Forrest Bubba and Gump. Jenny. And How many times Forrest's have mom. you seen Forrest Gump? Probably 30 times. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like I've seen, you know, there are movies that are kind of close to that, but I don't think I'll ever get tired of watching Forrest Gump. That movie's great. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And artists, music, Tame Impala. Love Tame Impala. I don't think there's a single Tame Impala song out there I don't like. Every time he drops new music, it's like Christmas. I love it. Do you have either a favorite album or a favorite song? Favorite album, Currents. Currents. Yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of person who will listen to an album front to back. I don't, I don't really like shuffling music. I kind of just like, you know, an album is like a book, you know? You can't Amen. read a chapter of one book, go pick up a different book, read like the middle chapter of that one, you know? A good album is a story. You have to go front to back. Listen to it. Currents by Tam Paula. That's probably my favorite album. I don't, I haven't checked that album out in a long time. I'll, I'll go back. Okay. Forrest Gump. That was a surprise. That one's a surprise. But uh, all right. I mean, not that you, it seems like you do maybe. I can see how that lead character would be a bit of an inspiration for you. So, uh, oh no. That's, uh, that's worth a seven. Give us a random review. So I will be reviewing my roommate's dog. So Jared. Jared. Yeah. Jared, blister media guy. His dog, Mozzie. I've known him for about two years. Mozzie's about four now, I think. And when I first met Mozzie, I wasn't really a big fan because Mozzie isn't very obedient. He's not the best trained dog. And the reason I was so sensitive to this is because my whole life I've had German shepherds as dogs. And anyone who knows anything about a German shepherd knows that they're super obedient, but they're not very friendly. So when I first met Mozzie, I was, I was kind of disappointed with how disobedient he was. He wouldn't really listen to you. If he had a chance, he'd like run away into the night and you could not see him because he is black. He's all black fur, black hair. Like he, he'll just run away and it'll just like ruin your night. You're like, where's Mozzie? I'm never going to find him. Jared's going to come home and like kill me because his dog is missing. So I was, I was pretty disappointed with Mozzie in that fact, but I've been spending a lot of time with Mozzie lately. Jared was gone for about a week, a couple weeks ago. And I basically took it as my responsibility to take care of Mozzie feed him in the morning in the afternoon take him for walks and you know i really saw the sweet side of mozzie he's such a sweet dog he wouldn't hurt anybody or anything he loves just like cuddling people going up to people like giving him a lick he's always like smiling you know like dogs can smile right and mozzie's just like always smiling and i've been taking him to the dog park a lot lately 
and he will chase a ball until he passes out. <laughs> he loves playing fetch and he's so nice to other dogs that it's a refresher because my German shepherds would be pretty aggressive to other dogs if they were like being chased. They love chasing dogs. They do not like being chased. But Mozzie's just chill with anything. Great dog. I'll give Mozzie 7 out of 10 as a dog. Mozzie gets a 7 out of 10. It's funny, as you were talking, I felt like your relationship, your evolving relationship to Mozzie mirrored a little bit my relationship to you. <laughs> kind of out on kind of out on Mozzie at the beginning, but then, you know, kind of came around and then, you know, realized if I kept throwing the ball, you'd probably just keep, <laughs> you'd probably just keep. <laughs> no. That's good. Um, I feel like, we should also bring up and like, this is the last thing I've got. And then I feel like people largely know everything they need to know about you. Mm -hmm. But a big surprise for me was I mentioned to you that at the last steep, there are these banger cauliflower buffalo wings. And this has become a real thing among our friend group. Mm. And I was telling you about this and you weren't having it. Because I think it's because the cauliflower wings that Emma and I make are the best cauliflower wings on the planet, if not one of the greatest foods of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like we, we have all these recipes that we make and I think we've made cauliflower wings like 50% of the time out of any time we've ever cooked together, cauliflower wings. And the reason I'm not sold on cauliflower wings from a restaurant is because most of the time they're like, I don't know, kind of soggy, kind of like really calorie and like oil rich. Well, that's got to be true. Like if we're going taste to calorie ratio, like my, like the cauliflower wings that I make blow last steeps out of the water. For sure. And I haven't that's, had last steeps. You haven't so, had them yet. So, you don't know fair. what you're talking about, but. They're not low calorie for sure. Yeah. Especially because we are pretty into getting it with a side of like blue cheese. Mm. That that was Robin Sydney's addition to the program. Yeah. Well, I'm super, one, we've got to, at some point we need to go and you need to try these. I will. But, and I was like, well, I need to try yours. But you're like, they don't travel, dude. You got to come to Gunnison mm -hmm. and get them when they're fresh right out of the oven you're not like traveling or reheating these things. And I respect, yeah. I respect the, the care, the attention to the attention to detail here. Yeah. It's the panko breadcrumbs that make them great. Huh? And if you, you know, leave them in a Tupperware, they get soggy. So you have to reheat them in an oven, but you have to do it right. And I don't trust you to do it right. I feel like I would give you these wings and you'd put them in the microwave like you do everything else. Yeah. And you wouldn't like them. And it would be your fault. I see. Fair. Mm -hmm. That's actually fair. Well, I like that you just claimed that you maybe make the best food on earth. <laughs> That's a, I like the I like the boldness of the claims. So we'll we'll give you we're gonna give you another seven. I the wings and I brought up the wings. I felt like that was stronger than the your your review. So you're welcome. Mm. And it got you to a seven. All right. Last question. What's the best question I haven't asked you? I feel like you're always trying to find what I'm bad at. <laughs> so, in spirit of like, what is Dylan good at? 
Yeah. I think the greatest <laughs> question you haven't asked me is what is your greatest accomplishment? Huh. One, because I think that's a good question. It can tell you a lot about a person. I like If this. I asked you that question, you'd probably say starting blister is my greatest accomplishment. If I asked Kristen, she might say becoming a mother is my greatest accomplishment. I think it tells you a lot about, you know, a person's goals and what they value in life and how they think about themselves. Okay. I, I'm with you so far. Yeah. What is your, I thought we already covered your greatest accomplishment. Fifth what did grade. you think? It, well, no, that wasn't it. My greatest accomplishment is rowing the Grand Canyon from top to bottom at age 15. Rowing some of the hardest rapids in North America before I could drive a car. It was terrifying. It was euphoric and it was really hard. And I did not flip once or wow. dump anyone out of my boat. And it was incredible. And I don't think many people can say they rowed the Grand Canyon before they could drive a car. That's pretty strong. We haven't even talked about the boating side, which is kind of an important side of things for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got I got started whitewater rafting when I was around seven. And it's not, it's something you do like once or twice a year, you know, um, mostly because we're more into the aspect of multi-day trips, whereas we could take, you know, like a day trip here and there. It was kind of just a lot of work and there wasn't really good whitewater close to evergreen it was like you're at least you're driving at least two hours for like four hours of rafting a lot of time setting up your boat and whatnot wasn't really worth it so went on a bunch of really cool multi-day trips throughout my childhood from age seven to today still doing it still love it mm -hmm. awesome to be out in a canyon super remote area no cell phone service Jonathan's not texting me, calling me, don't have to worry about any of that. And there's just something awesome about being on a boat, being in a river. It's just, you can't compare it to other things. Hmm. And that is Dylan on boating. It's great. You got to try it yourself. It's hard to, for someone to put the words into how sort of feelings you get. But if you want to read the Emerald Mile by Kevin Fidarko. He does a good job at putting the feelings into words. All right. Well, we should put this on the to-do list. Uh, upcoming, because God knows after this blister summit thing, I'm trying to take some amount of time off yeah. at some point. So we should put this on the list. I think we've talked about this. Like mm -hmm. doing, even if it's a, you know, an overnighter or a couple day or something, it would be, I'd, I'd trust you to be be the raft guide. Yeah, we could definitely pull off a day trip just to get into things on the upper tailor. That'd be fun. And we have, we happen to have like about the exact amount of blister reviewers that we would need oh. to like pull off a trip because I don't know if you know this, but Drew Kelly was also a raft guide. I did not know. So this. between me and him, two boats, you, Luke, Kara. And Luke's not going to want to hang out with us. No, Luke would. Luke would. <laughs> Howdy, and Luke. I don't know. Jerry could come along too. All right. Same with Alex. Blister boating trip. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. I'm in. You did kind of snake like Drew. I thought for sure Drew would get his own reviewing the reviewer episode before you. But hmm. uh, but I feel like Drew got a lot. There's a lot of Drew time on a recent Gear 30 podcast. Yeah. Plus his voice is so, you know, like sultry. I, I was worried that 
if we got him on a whole reviewing the reviewer episode that people would just boycott. They'd never want me to be on a podcast mm. again. And tr- they just, all the people would be like, no more Jonathan. We, we want just Drew. want Drew. So maybe it was like a, yeah, just a job preservation thing. Okay. But yeah, but this is good to know. All right. I like the idea of the blister boat trip. Great. Okay. And the best part is Jonathan then couldn't be texting me either. Yeah. So there you go. It seems like we'd all be winning. Well, hey man, pretty good. I got to say this is uh I expected to be throwing out a lot more zeros and ones and twos. So I I haven't really tallied up a score, but uh maybe I'll do that later. Maybe I won't, but I think it's fair to say you you did pretty good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I yeah. Wasn't sure what to expect, but glad you say that. We do have this blister summit coming up, which is maybe why I won't go try to fabricate or tally a score because I got to kind of get back to work on that. But mm-hmm. you're going to be around all week. And now the folks showing up who listen to this will be like, oh yeah, you're that guy whose life peaked in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth grade basketball, yep. football so you guys, champion. You guys me. can talk a lot about fifth grade and and uh, rafting the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. and uh, and they'll get to ski with you, which is fun. I can verify and uh, yeah, man. Well, I'm glad we got past, you know, some of our initial misconceptions. And uh, it's been fun having you kind of be doing more and more and more around here. And we look forward to having you do even more and more and more around here. Great. I look forward to it too. <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't botch it too much on this podcast for it to be my last. I mean, uh, yeah, honestly, like it could have gone way, way worse for you, I think. So, as long as I beat you. In terms of scores, I'll be happy. Okay. You may, you probably did. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I think you did. So well done. Thank you. Hey man, thanks. Are you skiing tomorrow afternoon? Sure will. Okay. I will be out there so we can go ski some stuff. Cool. Let's do it. Cool. All right, man. I'll let you go. Talk to you soon. See ya. Okay. It's time now for this week's segment of what we're celebrating. And today I am definitely celebrating snowfall because things have been stacking up super, super nicely here in Mount Crested Butte. And that happens to be absolutely perfect timing for our Blister Summit. In case you couldn't tell, I kind of have Blister Summit on the brain right now. So yeah, we are absolutely thrilled with the way the mountain is setting up right now. And that is why I currently have in my hand a glass of Whistlepig 15-year-old rye. So if you haven't yet booked your registration for the Blister Summit, seriously, do it now. Our Blister Summit A kicks off the night of February 18th, and Summit B kicks off the night of February 22nd. There's a whole bunch of information about the summit on our website. You can go to our homepage or go to any page and just look in the navigation bar of the website, and you'll learn more about the Blister Summit. And then you should get out here because it's going to be awesome. And that then brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Dylan for the conversation. And while I don't know his exact final score, it's definitely fair to say that Dylan soundly beat me. I still think in large part because I had Sam Shaheen grading me, but whatever. So anyway, Dylan, congrats on your victory. Job well done. I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, 
And we hope to see you next week right here in Mount Crested Butte at the Blister Summit. Summit Zero. Be here for the first one. Okay, bye everybody.